Lacey, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to you in so long. It's James. How are you? Hi, James. Oh, I'm, I'm doing excellent today. It's 28 <laughs> degrees and I'm just waiting for the sky to fall because that's the world we live in. <laughs> that does sound uh, accurate. I am sitting in my truck in my driveway on Cape Cod and it's, um, we like to call it wintry mixing, but it's basically just like shatting slush from the sky, which hits the ground and turns into like this icy, muddy, crusty, disgusting mix. Uh, I'm really excited about it. So um, it seems like the perfect time to talk about <laughs> the two rays of sunshine who are our guests on the Kona podcast today. I'm going to let you take it. Why don't you do the intro for these two? Sure. Becky and Ryan Gardner. Man, I... Superhumans. Superhumans, for sure. They they probably have spandex suits on underneath their actual clothes with letters on their chests or something in capes because they are those kind of people. Um, Becky and Ryan have been writing for Kona for over 10 years. They have been uh, longtime ambassadors, racers, stewards of the brand. They are, <laughs> I think... They're just sort of one of the, like, you look at them and you're kind of blown away because they're both extraordinarily tall, <laughs> which is always my first thing I think of when I see them. I'm like, how did you get to be so tall? They're tall and beautiful enigmas of, like, phys physique, and they're super, super athletic and talented. They are fast and strong and can probably carry me up the hill on their backs while pedaling and maybe crushing a beer at the same time. First of all, I, I just want to stop you right there and say, if that doesn't happen next time we all ride i'm going to be very very put out anyway go on i think i think it's the challenge we can throw out to those guys <laughs> um, yeah uh Becky, has, Becky and Ryan have both starred in many Kona projects before. Um, the recent one was called Sibling Rivalry. It was a collab we did with WTV, and it's a really fun video. So if you haven't checked it out, you should go look for it. They just have tons of stories and history. They're fast going uphill. They're fast going downhill. Uh, Ryan and Becky are both great community stewards. Ryan's in the Bay Area, um, Oakland, and California, and Becky's in Colorado. I feel like if you ask anybody in either of those communities about the gardeners, they just have a wealth of stories about, oh, this one time, Becky and Ryan did this crazy thing. And they do lots of stuff together. They're really, really close friends, um, kind of like the dream sibling relationship, I think, that we all wish we had. <laughs> like the yeah. sitcom relationship, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. like it's almost like, too good. Yeah. It's like too good, exactly. Um, but they're just awesome people, and they have been, they've traveled all over the world to, to ride bikes and have some really cool stories and they're just super kind, funny people, and um, I think that you'll enjoy listening to what they have to say. It was definitely a super fun conversation, and as you'll hear from the beginning of it, they were, I mean, we just babbled for the first 30 minutes just because they're so engaging and fun to talk to, but it eventually comes out that, um, so they're in Oakland, and that afternoon, they're going to go and do, like I think it was like a 100, 120-mile ride, but she didn't bring her bike so she was using his girlfriend's bike which is like two sizes too small and the just the thought of riding 100 miles on the wrong bike makes you want to just cry and she is just so so overtly stoked about it that it's it's pretty impressive and and that's that's the thing that I think I took away from it is like they're just stoked like I got off the phone with them and was like just pump and I quickly calmed down but it was still it was it was pretty exciting and and the energy transferred so uh let's let's listen to us talk thank you Lacey. yeah thank you i'm just gonna jump in here uh first question and this is actually from kona or from Lacey, and she wants to know what it's like being so tall and beautiful both of you really really <laughs> ridiculously hard 
<laughs> Ryan, what do you? Ryan's not even gonna weigh in. He's just like being the strong, quiet type. Or yeah, I, yeah, Becky took my line. Zoolander <laughs> reference is always is always good. No, it's great, easy. It's like easy. Right? It makes going to the grocery store hard because well, it's better with COVID. But then everyone asks you to get all the stuff from the top shelf for them. <laughs> so you can hours. So where are you two right now? We're in uh, we're in Oakland, California. Oh man, why? No, I'm just kidding. What? So do you do you both live in California? I live in Colorado. And Ryan lives. Okay. So is it is it heavy living in San Francisco in times of COVID? That seems like a really intense place to be. Well, we definitely don't live in San Francisco. So okay. totally, totally different world over here in Oakland. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Everyone's really responsible here. It, it's like people took it seriously and it, it hasn't been like that bad. Oakland shut down a bunch of roads um, to cars so that there's lots of space to go ride your bike and walk around. And it's, it's actually been, I don't know, there's some cool stuff going on. That's awesome. Yeah, New York City did that too. They shut down a lot of roads and are letting people use bikes. And it's funny, back this summer when things looked like they were going to get to start opening up again, I know there was a lot of outcry about like, well, can we just keep it this way? Because it's so great to ride your bike everywhere. Um, and I know in France, in Paris, they're like permanently adding some of the bike infrastructure that they've put in, which is, I guess, a, a cool upside to COVID. You know, probably not ultimately worth it but at least like the slight hint of a silver lining how's what's covid like in colorado becky um i live in salida which I is this on the web. <laughs> that was my apple watch just joining in thank you steve jobs uh go on um i live in salida which the whole it's like six thousand people live there and there's lots of space so it's not it's really not that bad because you can still go on the trails. They have a little resort called Monarch, which like there's no lift lines. So it's pretty chill. Like all the restaurants, I pretty much don't go to the restaurants because it's cold. So they have the tents that are outside the restaurants that are pretty much like being in the restaurant. <laughs> so, and the grocery stores, like there's no lines to go in. It's a small town. So it's super chill. That's awesome. Yeah, I live on Cape Cod, which is like this weird little protrusion off the coast of Massachusetts. And it's the same here. Like, you know, our little beach town is pretty mellow. People, it gets kind of weird if you go to like the bigger towns, but but just like in our zone, it's it's pretty, pretty laid back. Everyone just like fled for Florida, which was great. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> in my budget. Ryan and I are East Coasters. Yeah, we know. We know, we know Cape Cod. We're from, oh, where are you guys? We're from like Poughkeepsie, New Paltz beacon area oh rad okay yeah yeah um i have friends with a bike shop on the new york border in east pulteney vermont uh and it's crazy right like that whole like northern new york is there's so much great riding out there even where we're from like we're like an hour from the city but the yeah. riding is sick it's like yeah. i miss it to this day is that hudson valley uh-huh yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing out there. We went out and tried to do this thing at a thing called is it the Devil's Pass. It's like the gnarliest trail or something in the country. And um, we were like, oh, we're going to do it on bikes. And we made it like 
30 yards from the parking lot. And we're like, we're going to New York City to party. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's really technical riding. Yeah, it turns out you can't do it on a bike. It's, I mean, you'd have to be like Hans Ray in the mid '90s to like pop your way through it. But yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard that, of that. That's just every trail in in New York. <laughs> that's funny because we've got you know the opposite of that here on Cape Cod, where it's like, it's just sandy, flowy single track. But because like there's so many, I guess like wealthy retirees here. There's lots of dudes in like full carbon downhill bikes, just like. <laughs> With paddle oh, tires, like sessioning oh. with like, you know, they're like we're gonna session some some obstacles, and I'm like, that's a sand dune, bro. Like, <laughs> cool, but um, it's no, there's actually a, a great bike scene here. I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that, but there's definitely <laughs> that, that part of the crowd. So, how did you all get into riding bikes? Just because the terrain was rad, and there's not a lot to do in upstate New York, or what? Because I just do what Ryan does. Whoa. Yeah, I started. <laughs> started working at a bike shop like we always rode bikes around our house and like you know put little jumps and kind of messed around and then i started working at a bike shop in high school and just met some like super phenomenal riders this guy anthony who had a awesome kona stinky and used to jump off the roof of the bike shop all the time like <laughs> just awesome um yeah so i got into it with those guys and started riding a bunch and then i went to college in michigan which turns out there is not any good riding there um real flat didn't didn't go visit before i left so <laughs> should have done a little more research but while i was gone becky got into it with those same friends and uh yeah just kept riding bikes started working at we both worked at the same bike shop for a while that sold konas and that's how we got started with those guys. I hear you guys have been Kona affiliated for 10 years, which is how old are, how old are both of you? I am 34. And I'm 32. So, I mean, that's like a huge chunk of your adult life has been spent on Konas. Do you ever regret it? Not no. really, no. Brad. <laughs> <laughs> good answer on the kona podcast <laughs> uh what what about and, and honestly like this doesn't have to be about kona but i do want to know because it's been 10 years like what is it that drew you to it as a brand as opposed to whatever else was out there was it well i feel like they approached us and then we were like Becky we had a our, really good rep. Yeah, we like we had a really good rep, and we like started. We were starting to race a bunch. And we were like, you know, expert class heroes. And we were like, oh, we're such <laughs> big deals now. Like we can go get sponsored. <laughs> and we started like talking to companies, and um, we were talking with Kona a little bit, and and uh, some brands in like Southern California. Won't name any names, but they were like, <laughs> we, were, we were looking at bikes, and we were we were saying how. We we're kind of looking at a couple of different options and they're like, oh, like Kona, like you're going to ride a Kona. And we we're like, all right, fine. Like, that's exactly what we're going to do. And uh, I'll never forget Eric Tonkin, uh, who's a Kona legend himself, came and uh, he came out to our shop when we first started. And he was like, man, whatever, whatever you end up doing, just like really stick with a brand. And if you just hop around all the time, like you're not worth you're not useful really to anyone like yeah. just, just find a place to get in and like run with it and that's and i uh took that to heart it's been really great advice did you guys both get hooked up at the same time yeah yep <laughs> and so 
so you like a package so you're racing and i'm guessing you two get along pretty well i, I sense the like sibling slash best friend thing going on but uh you both got into racing at the same time and you're did you both start with downhill because i mean that's a as far as like learning curve goes i mean i guess it's we got it just thrashed. seems like so gnarly to jump into. <laughs> right. yeah. We did. We started with downhill racing and we were like so thrashed. I feel like we just didn't <laughs> care. I did my first downhill race on a Gary Fisher, like how much travel did that bike have? No, it was a hardtail, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was like amazing. We used to and like, I got made fun of at the bike park. Yeah. What? All the girls were like, "Nice bike, giggle, giggle." Yeah, and then you sh you shredded them, and they were like, "Uh." I did. I won, and I was like, "I'm gonna get a new bike." <laughs> <laughs> no way! You should have carried. You could be like the the legend right now, just like riding vintage steel hardtail bikes. Gary Fisher, per the piranha. It might have been the piranha. I think it was the Gary Fisher piranha. That's so. That's pretty badass if you think about it. The best part is that you won. I mean, this could be a totally different story if you came in like second to last and were just like shamefully wheeling at home. <laughs> like one disco wheel, like all thrown out of true, like missing a shoe. So that kind of led to some some downhill dominance on both your parts. And you both switched to Enduro. Now, do you just kind of like collaborate on what you're going to do with your careers? Or you're like, all right, so we're going to approach it from this angle and if nothing else, like the marketing angle of the brother sister thing is really going to work for us. I switched early. I couldn't handle it. the pressure of downhill was like, like way too much for me. Becky's always been really good at handling stress. And I would just be like, I just was stressed all the time. One, run, like one three minute run. I'm like, this is, this is so hard. I, once I got to pro, I'd either like crash my brains out and get mid-pack or i would just be on my brakes and get mid-pack i'm like i don't and <laughs> like this is way too hard i feel like i probably raced like four years longer downhill and now you're both racing enduro still uh-huh well we're not doing anything right now but well, right of course we're lifestyle. <laughs> Super yeah hard now we just year. lifestyle for covid perfect yeah, you guys got some some steel bike packing bikes and you're wearing jorts and you're just out mm -hmm. there doing it right yeah yeah perfect um let me guess does one of you live out of a sprinter van i mean we have vans we have them but we have <laughs> I so before every single person had a sprinter van i was living out of my ford e350 with a wing on it in oakland fuck yeah that's some hard that's the, living right there that's not i mean I, that's the econo line essentially like every like indie or punk band in the world can relate to that i got it levels. from some kids in a band in la it was great <laughs> that's, that's so i hope you still have the van i, becky, have I, I gave it to becky it's at four hundred thousand miles now it's like our shuttle van no it's amazing i um i i have consistently like toyed with the the van thing because you know prior to covid as the doing i'm a writer and photographer i would be on the road two two weeks out every month and i'm like I prefer to drive to a lot of the spots if I can, rather than fly, just because, you know, one, it's more fun that way, and two, it's more cameras and more stuff, no worrying about luggage. And I definitely, like, searched long and hard to find a good, either an Econo line or one of those old four-wheel drive safari vans. Oh, that's um, a good one. Yeah, oh, they're so epic, where it's, like, not quite a conversion van. Like, you, you know, you don't raise the, like, 
the child molester flags every time you pull into town quite the same way as like the <laughs> the Astro van with bikes in the back. People are like, um, little last chance window in the back, just a little. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I never found one that that filled me. You know, the resale value on them is really high. I never found one that filled me with the confidence to drop the money. It's a, game, it's a game changer but we all had vans like when we started racing on the east coast you'd race every weekend and everyone had like a minivan or a safari or shout out to jason memoir who invented Van driving life. vans around yeah. everyone made fun of him he was a visionary <laughs> it is covid and you're not racing what what are you guys doing to stay sane and to stay on the bike i i mean we've been riding a lot and Ryan came to visit for a month in Colorado, so we were skiing a bunch. Um, we're lucky where we are; we can still do outdoor stuff. Yeah. What about in What about in Oakland? Is there? I know that there's great trails out there, but access is a huge situation. Do you Do you have spots that you can ride? Do you get out to ride a lot? No, there's definitely no riding in Oakland. No one should come here and ride <laughs> at all. No, it's, it's surprisingly awesome. Like probably a 20, 20, 30 minute pedal from my house and you're in Redwoods and just out in pretty deep forest. It's cool. Like just right from downtown, you can be out of the city and pedaling single track um, from the door, which for a major, you know, millions of people all crammed into this Bay Area, there's a surprising amount of open space and trails. It's really nice. Yeah, I um, we lived in Pacifica for a long time. And, oh, nice. uh, it was funny. I was like having a my daughter had just been born and I owned a skateboard company and just wasn't like into bikes as much at the time. And it was a bummer because having gone back to visit, there's this like epic trail system, like literally in the center of town. Crack and mile and yeah, just town. totally blew it. Like all that stuff. Instead, I moved back to Cape Cod and got back into bikes. and was like, there's nothing to ride here. The sand dune threading. <laughs> hey man, fat bikes year round. It's pretty rad. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about the fat bikes. Lacey laughs at me because I'm always like, you know, like, oh, is that on the fat bike? She's like, it's July, dude. Like, I'm like, no, you don't understand. I rode like 17 miles of beachfront today and then went fly fishing at the end of it. And she's like, uh, I'm like, it's so rad. But the, uh, you know, the downside being that the ocean is not great on drivetrains, no matter how well you take care of them. So. How's that ocean fly fishing life treating you? I'm trying to get trying to get better at that. Oh, I love it. I grew up doing it. I find that it, you know, as I get older, I'm 45 and I grew up skateboarding. My knees barely bend anymore. So, you know, my my days of like rugged riding or like trying to get rad are slowly falling behind me. Um, especially with a fear of hospitals ramping up at the moment. So. Um, being able to like grab my fly rod and like throw it on a bike and just disappear into the woods or like along the coast for a long time is, is super appealing and it's, it's great. I, uh, I recommend it. You spent some time in Colorado. Do you fly fish out there? Were you like into trout fishing and now you're thinking about going into the ocean with it? So I, I, yeah, I trout fish a decent amount, like up in the Sierras a lot. Like we go to Downeyville all the time and riding there is just awesome and then you know you ride all day and then you go spend like two three hours standing in the river and hanging out and catching little little rainbows it's super fun and yeah now we got a, a ocean set up and we've been doing steelheads and stripers and oh, yeah. uh, fishing with some buddies who um 
have a boat now up in Sacramento. So we go out on like the American and fish there a bit, like after rides. It's, it's super fun. I love it. But ocean fishing is like ocean fly fishing seems to me to be so pointless and difficult. Like you just <laughs> are fucking this tiny thing out into this giant ocean and you're just like, there's no way that I'm going to do anything. I don't know, I- man. I, I actually prefer, you know, I've lived in Montana a bunch and done the whole trout fishing and rivers thing. And I prefer saltwater. I mean, we have a striped bass migration that happens out here every year. That's, I don't know. You go out there and, and you, you throw like a, a fly that looks like a cat toy and you come back with a 40 pound fish and, I, no trout in the world is going to give you that feeling, in my opinion. It's pretty epic. You just got to know where to look. It's, uh, I, I'm, it's the best. I'm hooked on it. But you'll, you'll see. You'll get out there with it, and you'll get into some stripers, and you'll be like, oh shit, all right, I get it. Becky, what do you do? To be, what's your hobby besides riding bikes and selling tires? Um, <laughs> I mean, what more? What is more there? is it? <laughs> I, uh, I like to like ski and snowboard a lot and I run a lot and besides like active stuff I I'm pretty into baking I grew up working at a bakery so I bake a lot and I which is great I paint and like draw a lot what what kind of stuff are you baking you're doing like the sourdough thing I'm not that into sourdough because well Colorado I live pretty high up and bread is just difficult at high altitude and it's like, you got to take, Ryan has a sourdough starter. You have to take care of it every single day. And I have a dog that I feed all day. Anyway, <laughs> It's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, just I'm too just, much responsibility. You're like, it's yeah. either the dog or the sourdough. And the dog actually has eyes and can look at me accordingly. Yeah. So. Yeah. so I'm not that into sourdough, but I do bake a lot of other stuff. And do you find that your passion for baking like <laughs> feeds your need to get out on the bike and ride? Is that like a cyclical thing? Yeah. So like I grew up baking at this bakery for my job. And then I think once I started doing enduro racing and realized that you actually have to eat food at bike races, because like with downhill, it's three minutes. You don't eat. So I definitely now use baking for riding a lot more. Like tomorrow, Ryan and I are doing this 100 mile, 10,000 foot day of riding because shit just gets out of hand when we're together, apparently. Uh-huh. Sounds like it. That's so amazing. So, like, I'll take some stuff for that. So, you're like, all right, cool. You, like, you've got cakes and, like, a full spread halfway through. He like, says power bars. He <laughs> said there's one there's one gas station to get snacks on the whole ride. Oh, man. So, what'd you bake? Uh, what'd you bring lemon, lemon poppy seed bread, but it's getting oh, demolished it right now. So, we need another one. Stat. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about this ride tomorrow. What is it all off-road or on-road? A little bit of both. So there's some options. It's the base option is 100 miles, 10,000 feet of road riding, which is a little weird, but it's like you it's like first half is through wine country up in Sonoma County and then you climb up to this cool peak and then descend redwoods to the ocean and then you ride along the ocean for like 50 miles and then you come back through kind of the same thing backwards down below so this massive loop but if we're feeling a little extra zesty we can add (laughs) some really awesome dirt climbing and descending and um but then we get into like the twelve thousand foot climbing range and that might be a bit excessive but we'll (laughs) see 
This is why we have no friends. <laughs> what? This is why what? We have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> is part of that loop you said along the coast? It's not on the one, is it? It is, yeah. Oh, it's, that road, that road scares the shit out of me. I worked with this band that was recording in Stinson Beach for a while, and just riding my bike, even like from Stinson Beach up, like it gets into that like real tight along those. Oh, it's horrifying. The most scared I've ever been in my life. We're like more Sanford's... north, right? Yeah, we'll it's, be way north of that. So there's not... like that road is spooky because you get everyone from San Francisco in like their rental cars and <laughs> just they're... ripping through. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's spooky. I'm... Terrifying. Uh, what bikes are you guys riding? Let me guess. Process 153. Whoa. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> process 153. <laughs> just lock it out and go. Fuck it. I'm borrowing Ryan's girlfriend's bike because my bike is. I just brought my trail bike. I don't have a road uh -huh. bike. So she's like, I'm six foot and she's like five, six. So I'm borrowing. Oh man, this is amazing. Her bike. Her Kona Rove. So we've got one Rove. And then. She's like, we've got a six foot tall woman on a 52 Kona Rove. Yeah. It's a 56. I think it'll be fine. It's a 56? Oh, that's huge. You'll be fine. Yeah. She's going to yeah. be great. And then we've got, uh, I'm going to ride my major. Wait, who put your 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 five foot five girlfriend on a 56 bike? That's crazy. She's 5'7", and okay. it's her awesome. She was on. I mean, I'm 5'10", and ride a 54. <laughs> See, like, what's the roadie thing? A big personality. Yeah. There you go. That's fair. Okay. That makes I sense. Know, I feel like roadies are always trying to, like, downsize. I'm like, give me the biggest road bike I can find. That's always... <laughs> I want the biggest one. That's because you're a giant. Anyway, go on. <laughs> no, it fits her great. <laughs> She's like, it fits her great. She never rides it, but you know, it fits her great. <laughs> hey, we before COVID, every single day we both commute to work by bike. Okay, that's fair. But now um, we sit in our kitchen all day. <laughs> nice. Yeah, apartment living's the best. Um, and what are you riding, Ryan? I'm gonna ride my major, uh, major Jake. Oh, rad. How do you yeah. like it? It's probably the coolest bike I've ever had. I love it so much. I have the same bike, but it's in Colorado. So my excitement when you said that is because... Um, They're awesome. So I have... Well, I have a Sutra, and that's like my go-to bike. I ride it everywhere. And I wanted something a little zippier and went back and forth when it was out there. And Carrie uh, Warner kind of pushed me into the Major Jake. And I was like, a cross bike? Like, not... I don't know. And finally gave in and got, I like literally got it last week. Um, I set it up, but I fucked it up when I set it up. So I just got it back from my friend's shop yesterday. It's in the truck with me right now, like sitting behind me with zero miles on it. You're going to be so psyched. psyched. They're so I'm fun. so psyched. Well, the, the one t like quick ride around the block I got put on it, like I took it out of the box and like threw it together uh, again, incorrectly, as I said. Wait, how it was in a... like almost complete? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to know me. I'm, I'm special. So somehow, I uh, it did come almost complete. Like I put the handlebars and the front wheel on, and it was like, oh, what could go wrong? But I don't know. The front wheel was out of true, and I I'm I don't know. The brakes need to be bled. But I have no I have no explanation for how I did it. But I'm really excited about it. It's behind me. It's you know where I'm sitting here in a parking lot doing this with you guys. It's torrential downpour, and I'm like maybe when I get off the phone. But anyway, uh, that was the reason I perked up with that. Is I just got one, and I'm I'm pretty fired up about it. It's so sick. Like wow. you can put slicks on it. I put like 32 slicks on and do it to ride 
you know, 200 mile day. And then you can put some Rattlers on like some knobby fat tires and ride mountain bike trails and everything in between. It's like, it's the coolest bike. What's the widest tire you've gotten on it? I know it says 40, but I also know that you can just ignore that usually. I'm pretty sure I have a 44 on mine right now. We're running 44s. Since it looks like COVID isn't going to go away uh, this year, um, what are your plans for the coming year? Are you guys going to, do you think there'll be races? What do you? EWF is only going to be in Europe, and I'm probably not going to commit to go to Europe right now. <laughs> oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> It's I'm fine. supposed to go to I'm supposed to go to Madeira to do a five day like uh, trans race in June, so I'm kind of hoping that that still happens. But who knows? We have a a uh, we did a lot of filming last year, and we have like another pretty fun filming idea that we'll probably work on this summer. I've been doing a lot of photo shoots with companies, which typically we're just with you as the star, or you as the photographer. Um, no, like me as the athlete. And then I do okay. have my work shoots where um, lately I've been being the athlete as well, just because COVID is like some people are in like super lockdown, but I'll have like a bunch of photo shoots where I'm not the athlete as well. How do you so actually as like the marketing person at, at WTV, like how are bike companies pivoting to to marketing in a, in a COVID world? I mean... I think it's, it's been cool because, I mean, I've raced for a long time and I think races are cool and, but a lot of the content is the same. And now all these athletes are being forced to not use races as content and kind of be creative and come up with these video ideas or shoot ideas or doing more stuff locally. And I think it's actually producing way more interesting content than just race recaps. I totally agree. You know, coming at it. So I do the content thing with a ton of different brands. Um, and with every company, especially big ones that worry about liability being like, well, we're not traveling to create any content in like our marketing. All of our plans are now in the dirt. They're actually turning to people to do stuff hyper locally. And I think it's showcasing a much more realistic version of any sort of like outdoor fun adventure stuff you yeah. know like oh. it's not all like oh i'm bagging peaks and like you know rallying winning races and podiums it's like it's more just like the process of doing it and, and i think that that's in the long run like so much more attainable for the average human um, yeah. and I think probably so much more inspiring it's hard for athletes because a lot of these top racers are getting paid money to go race and there's no races and no one wants to give them race budget. So I don't know what, how that's going to kind of work out. Like these people that it's their job to race. like Ryan and I both have jobs. So it's like, if we don't race, like racing is now is just fun for us, but if it's a yeah. job to go race, I don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah, you would think, I mean, a lot of the racers, I mean, just sort of like from the Kona side, like you look at someone like Miranda Miller, like I think in a lot of ways, she's a perfect example of like rising to the challenge of like, okay, like, well, what is my role in this world if there isn't racing, you yeah. know, and, and how can I, how can I still be inspirational and still get out and have fun and ride and stay fit? 
but also be of value to my sponsors. And I think that might be a good thing for some of the brands to see like who's actually devoted to it and who's just like the cool person collecting the check and like hitting podiums, but also has the personality of like an eggplant. No, it's so clear now. Like before it was hard to tell who was super creative and And valuable and who was an eggplant. And now it's like, super clear of like who is worth the money and who isn't it's also interesting without like the constant wins and stuff like that to talk about on social media it's been very interesting to see how quickly some of these like supposed superstars in the world devolved into like monsters of some kind or another where you're like whoa (laughs) like i get that maybe that part of your personality is what drove you to like win every race by exponential seconds or like that focus but also like cool you're a sociopath yeah like i am kind of introverted and i like being alone so like covid for me i've just got not a big change not a big change <laughs> I, turns out i kind of get to work on like really cool creative projects and not see anyone so i'm like yeah. good <laughs> no i totally agree with you in that like Again, I was traveling all the time and now not traveling at first was like, how am I going to, you know, pay for my kid to have food and things that are kind of important. And then when it turned out that like there was this avenue to still like, I'm actually working more than I was before, but it's all within like three miles of my house. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I don't have to get on a plane or like go somewhere. I can just, who knew that I could just do this stuff in my backyard. And on one level, it's like weird because like now I'm always at work, but but on the other level, like, I'm okay with never getting on another plane. This, this is amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I, outside of bikes, I'm an environmental consultant. And before COVID, it was getting to the point where I was every week was flying to LA or flying to San Diego or driving some other place. And now everything is just a Zoom call. And it's like, yeah. you're telling me that we could have this whole time, we could have just, been full we could have just done this on the phone. And you're making me fly to LA? Like, this is ridiculous. So it's the crazy. irony of you being an environmental consultant too, right? having to fly out. Like, all right. And they're like, fly here for an hour meeting. And you're like, no. <laughs> so now we're not doing that. It's kind of great. It's kind of great. I mean, we're super lucky. Like this whole year has been so crazy and so hard for so many people. Oh, for sure. Not to make light of it. Yeah. I have, I mean, I have a lot of friends in the music world that are, I, I don't even know what to say. Like it's so brutal. Yeah, music and restaurants and like just so many people who have not been able to work. But for us, like we've been able to still work and now we work remotely. And like I've been able to go to Colorado in the van a bunch and hang out with Becky. And like we've hung out more this year than probably the last couple of years combined. So there's definitely been some some like cool spots. Yeah, 2019, I was home like probably three weeks of the whole year. And like, <laughs> Then 2020, I got to like actually like hang out and ride my local trails, and like it was it was kind of nice. It's there's got to be like an inverse version of that where like someone else who loved their life and travel all the time is now stuck at home and is just like, oh wait, it turns out I actually hate it here. This is terrible. My cat doesn't even like me. Like, um, it definitely if you live where you like, it's a lot nicer being home. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's talk about uh, the brother-sister thing here. I, I understand that you've got to feed off of each other, right? But Ryan, let's start with you. What is your sister's most annoying trait? Oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> Do I have to pick one? No, I'm just kidding. No, Becky's awesome. She's kind of, um, she's a little intense sometimes about her, uh, her opinions on <laughs> things and, and people. Um, and she's kind of got like a one and done rule. So if you, if you kind of make a mistake, I feel like I'm, I'm over that hump. So it's, yeah. I'm, I'm not in the one and done club anymore. We're but from New York. So yeah, it's just, you know, we're from New York. I've had a lot of time in California to kind of mellow out a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's the New Wait, York. One and college. done. What does that mean? Like one, one faux pas, like, Oh, you're nine minutes late to yoga. We're done. Or more <laughs> yeah, like, maybe yeah. not like nine minutes late to yoga, but like you, like maybe something a little more severe than that. It's like, you're dead to her now. <laughs> there, may be no, there may be no going back. I'm like, I'm like, Becky, I, I don't think they did that on purpose. Like, it was just, it was a mistake. Like, it'll be okay. And she's like, no, they're dead to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually amazed that we're on this call then because we've been trying to set this up since the beginning of December. Oh, you're on, so many you're on time, man. You were on thin It has ice. to be something like, they have to be like a dick to someone or like, it has to be something more aggressive. Oh, it's, I mean, also, like, dead, I just never will forget, you know, <laughs> there's time for people who are dicks to people. I, I know, know there's so yeah. much, so much dickishness happening in the world that if you see someone like adding to it, there's no reason to they're done with that. Yeah. I yell at someone on the trail with Ryan the other day because they were being <laughs> brutal. And I told him, I'm like, you're done, dude. So, okay. So actually. I think we're zeroing on on like maybe something that's a bigger issue here. You <laughs> yell at people. <laughs> so this intensity, let's talk about that. No. Um, so what would you say is Ryan's most annoying trait? Okay. So I know for sure what it is. <laughs> so Ryan is like the biggest coffee snob you can ever imagine. So when you have coffee at his house, you have to first it can only be medium roast. Or he's in a throw shit bit. Or a lighter. So, Wait, medium roast or a lighter? So you like you're a light roast guy, but medium roast is tolerable. Wait, that is like it gets way worse than that. So then okay. you need to get out his little scale and you need to weigh exactly like it depends what you're doing. Like for a French press, it needs to be exactly fifty grams of the coffee bean. And then you put it in the little grinder and you have to grind it and turn the water on. And then you need to take the temperature of the water before you put it in yeah, the fridge. That's press. how you make coffee. <laughs> so what you're saying is he's anal retentive. About coffee. Only. About only about coffee, like everything else is a mess. Like like, like bike settings, suspension, tire pressure. I have no idea. But coffee, you know, you, if you're gonna do it, we like were, spend a minute and make it right. We were in slow at the Lazine, the guy who owns Lazine's house, and he has an espresso machine. And Ryan was like watching me make coffee in the morning. He's like, you're putting too much coffee in that. So I just like look at him and like shove the giant <laughs> pile of coffee up into the espresso machine. And I was like, don't tell me what to do or something like that. And I turn it on and it doesn't work. And it's like shooting espresso everywhere. <laughs> nice. Was it one of the big gnarly espresso machines? It looks like the grill of like a 57 Chevy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was kind of like that. And I was like, that's not going to work. And she was like, don't tell me what to do. And see, the one and done thing kicked in. And then it shot water, hot water and espresso all over the counter. And I was like, mm, mm. <laughs> so, so I mean, your coffee is just fuel is what I'm getting, Becky. What? So for you, coffee is more of just a fuel thing. But I love coffee. She loves coffee. She loves 
like Starbucks dark roast that she just like haphazardly throws in a <laughs> in a French press or a mocha pot, and she's like, "Oh, it's great! I love this." And I'm like, "Oh." So Ryan, if you're this intense about the process of making the coffee, how do you take it? Black. Like, do you go? Okay, I was gonna say because if you go through all this effort and then throw like heavy cream and sugar in there, no, I don't know what to tell you. But no. all right, no. I mean, once in a, like once in a while. I'll be in the mood for coffee with a little bit of cream, but no, no sugar. And most of the time, just black. How about you, Becky? Uh, I just do light cream. Becky has no white cream. Oh, has ba- <laughs> she has four bags of things that she puts in her coffee. There's like for some just one cup, like my morning cup. I put like vitamins, supplements, what? like, what? She, yeah, she makes like a smoothie out of her coffee every morning yeah you got that's bananas yeah it's, you need all that healthy fat man yeah she's Wait, got you, like, oh, you, like the collagen peptides and and i put like collagen and um like mct stuff in my first just one cup it also supposedly like makes the caffeine wear off slower or something it just like like i could drink that on a work day and then just like not eat breakfast until like lunch right so you basically turn it into an amphetamine you're like you could smoke it out of a light bulb if you had to (laughs) all right so let's let's reverse this what is your brother's best trait um ryan is like always down to do like crazy shit with me well he i am the way i am because i've hung out with ryan my whole life so like I feel like I am intense about activities because he was that way. Okay. So, but, but then one of you moved to California and like got into flip flops and shorts. <laughs> Ryan still likes big activities, but yeah, he definitely. I mean, he was like at pretty much all of the reason why I am the way I am with like all the stuff I do is because of Ryan, because I just was the little sister that hung out with him. Aww. And Ryan, what's your sister's best trait? I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I was going to say Becky's Our always down to go on like... Is that we're like each other. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. So here it's... And I'm guessing you guys are like best friends. I can tell from the vibe. Now, does that ever impact your interpersonal relationships with other friends? Do they ever have best friends who get jealous? They're like, I just can't compete with your sibling. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I think we would just make fun of them. I'd be like, "Really, my little sister? You're having a hard time with that?" <laughs> I mean, no. My little sister, who's three feet taller than you, you're having a hard time. Who's both taller and stronger than you are? Are you intimidated? I feel like no one really joins us on our epic rides. So is that just because you, they're intimidated? Like my boyfriend and Ryan's girlfriend know better to not come on these rides. Yeah, they're just because like, they're they're not it's fun. not fun. They don't think it's fun. <laughs> but we think it's like, you're, you're like, pain is weakness, leaving the body, go. But I think that actually the first, the first ride we've done in like a long time where it just like, we're like, oh, this was a bad idea is we tried to go on this like, cycle cross ride like gravel ride in colorado but it was like really cold out like we left at like three o'clock we left at like three o'clock and we were like rode up to like the base of this 14er and my my girlfriend and her sister are from the tropics so they've like almost 
ever seen snow and they've never seen a frozen lake before. So we're like, oh, we'll go to this frozen lake. And Becky and I are like, we'll ride our bikes there and you guys can meet us in the van like later and check it out. And because Becky and I were going around, we're riding up this valley. It's like the road's covered in snow. It's like five degrees out or something. The sun has gone down. It's like getting dark. We're like, like our hands are not working anymore. I have like regular riding gloves on. And were they, they were your ride home? Were you planning on getting a ride back? Well, we were going to do a loop, but we're like, there's no way. Like it's way too cold. And the whole way up there is uphill. So we get up there and we're waiting and they're not there. And we start going downhill to go back. And it's just like, Becky like froze. Like she just stopped and she was like walking, like doing the Everest walk, like one foot in front of the other. (laughs) And I'm like, we have like miles to go. And Becky's like, they're dead to me. I hate them forever. I'm never talking to either of them ever again. And I'm like, I'm sure it's it's gonna be okay. And then you didn't have a cell phone to call them and be like, No service. No service. Of course. So they eventually showed up a little late and um, after Drunk that, on margaritas, they're like, what up? Yeah, they're like, what are you guys doing? And they had like snacks and the van was, was like, all warm. why are we up here? I've seen a frozen lake my whole life. I'm from New York. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's frozen nine months out of the year in upstate New York. <laughs> so, but it was yeah. fine. Then the van picked us up. Yeah, it was totally fine. One <laughs> died. Did you see Carrie uh, Warner's Instagram post the other day? He's like in Aspen or something, and he decided to ride his bike to the next ski area over the mountain pass into a snowstorm. <laughs> and it's just like the entire bike is like crusted with ice. It's like negative five. And he's like, uh, things got a little dicey. And there's like pictures. It's like <laughs> axle deep. It's so gnarly. It's kind of what it was like. <laughs> this leads me to uh, one of my last questions or conversation topics, which would be, you guys are both into egging each other on into these craziest adventures or crazy adventures. What's the craziest thing you've ever done together on a bike? Oh man. Or gnarliest or hairiest or funniest or one of my probably all of those things. One of my favorite memories of like Ryan egging me on is we were pretty young. We used to ride mountain Creek all the time. Like, it was like, I would go after school and ride Mountain Creek because we had season passes and it was like an hour from our house. And I was learning how to hit bigger drops. And I went off this drop and fell like onto my handlebars. Like my stomach got impaled by the handlebar. Oh. I literally thought I, like the handlebar was like in my stomach. Like I thought I was dead. And I'm just, laying on the ground I'm like there's definitely a hole in my stomach and Ryan just walks over to me and he's like clearly I'm like in like severe pain and he's like like do you want to try it on my bike instead and I was like no like I want to try it on your bike leave me here oh man that's just a painful story what's the (laughs) <laughs> what's the gnarliest adventure you guys I, come on you're doing a hundred mile ride tomorrow what's the gnarliest thing you guys have done know, we're pretty like solid i feel like we don't really i don't know like i don't know we've been at this point like kind of all over the world and like ridden all over stitches and... in the middle of the jungle in mexico once that was pretty sweet <laughs> they used dental floss <laughs> they taped it back to well, no, like she was in the back of this like sketchy ambulance and this guy who's like in the ambulance is like, I would not let anyone work on you here. 
And she was like, uh, what? She's like, well, I'm losing blood pretty quickly. He's like, duck it and fuck it. You're fine. He's like, duck no. tape. So, yeah. And then they're like, well, if we put stitches in, like, then, you know, like, then you probably can't race. And Becky's like, all right. So we just, like, taped it back together and called it good. And she, you know, hung in there for the rest of the race. Or did and- you win? No, I got second. There is. Um. This other Mexico race, Ryan broke his ankle and we're like staying in this tiny, tiny Mexico village in the mountains and he couldn't walk. So I'm just carrying him around on my back around this tiny Mexico village. (laughs) That's amazing. You don't like get lost. Ryan's really good at directions. That's probably my, one of my favorite traits about Ryan is like his sense of direction and his leadership skills are on point. Like I, if you like drop me off anywhere without a phone, I would probably die. Cause like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so like Ryan will go on these crazy rides and Ryan will know where we are the entire time. So like, I don't worry about anything. I'm just like, Oh, I'm with Ryan. We'll be fine. Nice. That's actually a great trait knowing that like, you can just kind of give the ship up. Yeah, totally. No, I, literally have no sense of direction at all my brother's the same way i can just kind of turn things over to him and trust it'll be okay and that i'll probably wind up slightly injured and made fun of but that yeah will at least survive worst case scenario (laughs) yeah (laughs) but that's gonna happen no matter who's in charge i guess so you just gotta roll with it yeah each of you what is your favorite bike that you've ever had it doesn't have to be a kona i know um, any bike I know yours is the Gary Fisher. Mine is the Gary Fisher Prime. No, my favorite bike, if I could only have one bike for the rest of my life, it would be the Process 134 with like okay. a beefier, with like a five inch fork. Okay. Like a bigger fork. And yeah, it's the best bike. I ride that bike pretty much all the time. And I have a 153, which is also rad, but the 134 can hit like big drops and jumps, but it's super fun to pedal. It's, it's been my favorite bike probably since it came out. And it's been redesigned a couple of times, I think, since then. And Ryan, how about you? Man, it's, it's so hard to say. I think the 134 is definitely up there. That thing, the 111 actually was probably, like the 134, like technically is a better bike, but there is something about the 111 and just going so fast and like winning enduro races on an aluminum four-inch bike was so rad. Like everyone was like, wait, what? Like that's the bike you're racing? You're like, yeah, this bike is insane. Like it it like brought about all of the new like short travel, sick geo 29ers. And I remember um, just getting in and being like, oh, like, are you serious? Like I'm supposed to, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this thing? And Chris Mandel was like, no, you should just, just try it. Just, just give it a try. And it's probably my favorite bike ever. And I'm, I sold the one the last one i had and i'm i'm kind of sad because that bike was sick you know i've actually i've never ridden one of those i've heard a lot of people mention that bike i wonder if they'll bring it back i know the 134 was like the replacement of it but and and um, it's the 134 is better but like there is it's kind of like like yeah a tesla is sick it's like the (laughs) sickest thing you can buy it's awesome but like you get in like an old like clangy you know muscle car or something and you're like all right, this thing is like for real. Like, it's like <laughs> yeah. angry, like it's like heavy, 
and it doesn't burn like but like it's rad and the 111 did, did turn awesome but it was just like, <laughs> you can do stuff on it where you're like i shouldn't be doing this but it's awesome and I'm, they should have and, hired I'm you for marketing anyway. on this project right so yeah bring back the, bring back the 111 and make it and pay ryan yeah make it aluminum and pay me <laughs> No, I'll do it for free. I love it. Uh, never go on record saying you'll do something for free. Freelancer 101. <laughs> so, so what do you have coming up this year that you guys are super stoked and looking forward to? I'm about to go to Costa Rica for a month and go surfing every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sounds amazing. Um, depending on how the next week goes, maybe just don't come back. Would be yeah, awesome. maybe not. Well, no option. <laughs> Becky, how about you? Um... I don't, I haven't decided yet. I'm kind of, I'm like, I have no plans. Like I'm sure fun stuff's going to happen and I'd like to race bikes again, but we, I have a lot of fun uh, filming projects to work on if there isn't any racing, but honestly, just like being home in Colorado, there's so much fun riding and like big epic rides you can do out there. So maybe just more exploring at home. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. It's kind of like the year to not plan anything, I feel like. (laughs) 100%. And though, trying to go, usually we go home in the fall. So I'll probably be on the East Coast in the fall for- Oh, no way. Yep. Rad. You guys should, we're putting together a um, uh, a little, I I say little, it's like an 800 mile bikepacking trip around Maine and to Vermont on all class four- Snowmobile roads uh, for peak foliage this year. Y'all should. We y'all might should come along. Are for that. It would be like around that time. Oh man, well you're welcome to join. It'll be it'll be a shit show, but it'll be fun. Um, nothing says I'm scared for my life like Northern Maine. Yeah. <laughs> it's I've been everywhere, and that's the scariest place I've ever been. Maine. Uh, I've only been Northern to- Maine, like way up north. I've been, all the ma- all the I've been to Maine once and I was playing rugby and I got a severe concussion <laughs> and that was the only time I've ever been to Maine. That's a pretty typical Maine experience. Um, <laughs> you know, usually it also includes like a lobster roll and mosquito bites. Mm. But uh, but no, Portland, Maine has actually become my favorite city in the country because it's like the food scene is just it's like, friggin' bananas. It's like a cool city now. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's like it's like the next, you know, it's Berlin. one of those things where you're like, oh, I was in Austin in like 94 and it's it's kind of like that, you know, <laughs> like it's definitely got that like free hipsterization vibe. But um, I love Portland. I mean, I love Maine. It's 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 amazing. It's just it gets um, rural's the wrong word. It just gets, you know, weird and isolated. Yeah, really far up, up north. There's yeah. some like in Colorado that are like that, too. Yeah. But yeah, they're all cowboys. Yeah, and you know, I think though there's like more kind of like the wide open spaces thing. Like way up north in Maine, it's like the trees are really close together and it's dark all the time. And yeah, then, you're real you down there. It's it's a scene, but um, there's also some like crazy shredding bike riders up there. It's like the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, where you're like, you hear like a banjo playing in the back of your head when you get out of the car, and then some dude just like road gaps the road you're on, and you're like, what the fuck? Northeast is the most underrated riding and underrated riders in the country like in california sure. like, every nerd with a tlb kit gets sponsored and like wears their matchy pajamas and races fontana <laughs> with like a thousand dollars worth of gear on and you're like 
all right. And then you go to the East Coast and you're at Platykill and some dude in jeans and a bullet <laughs> and with like, like a mullet bike just like, like, <laughs> boots on like a shiver from 1990 <laughs> goes like a 40 foot gap in front of you and like slaps a corner and is out and you're like what where was his visor like i don't understand <laughs> what and it turns out he rode there from boston like just, yeah. <laughs> yeah on that bike in his yeah. like pickup after like working a full day of construction and you're like yep, what is going like at Platykill, when you camp there for races, they lock you in. Like, if you're in camp, you can't leave. And people what? build fireworks and try and kill each other all weekend. That's amazing. It's- yeah, it's... <laughs> it's. I, I think the North... Like, New England definitely has... New England, New York, like, the Northeast definitely has, like, an underdog status. Totally. I mean, there's just no industry here, you know? Like, I mean, I guess Cannondale is somewhere out here. Oh, whatever, they're, like, Pennsylvania. Connecticut. Something, I don't know, but I mean, but if you look at the, the mountain bike heritage here, I mean, Sinister, Fat Chance, like independent fabrication, like, yeah. and then cyclocross is crazy. Like all the mountain bikers I know are also like monster ripping cyclocross racers, you know, who just like mountain bike for fun in the off season. But, but yeah, the like the jeans and construction, like construction boot dude on the like base model 10 year old stump jumper is def- yeah. like shredding the downhill course is like a real thing out here. Like true blue collar. That's how we learn. Yeah, that that's... was my life for like a bunch of years. It's, it makes you way tougher. Talking shit about a pretty sunset blanket and opinions that I'll probably regret some. Changed my mind so much I can't even trust it My mind changed me so much I can't even trust myself 